the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous Saturday. This is Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al Fadi, and with me here in studio, our dear brother, Sam Shamoon, and we are going to continue our dialogue and discussions concerning idolatry as taught in Islam. And of course, this is an extremely uh, important topic simply because our Muslim friends are always on the attack at telling us that we are the idolaters, that we have elevated a human being named Jesus Christ to the status of being equal to God, that sometimes they even claim that we are worshiping a wooden piece or a metal piece called the cross, and the list can go on and on and on. Now, we're not here to try to defend or uh, justify or even try to explain some practices that sadly may appear to be idolaters, uh, uh, you know, uh, an idolatry, I should say, by certain churches. We're here to talk about what the Bible teaches and at the same time, if that's the case, then our Muslim friends have a lot of explaining to do when it comes to the idolatry and its form, many forms, as it is found in the Quran. For instance, earlier, uh, we did a number of shows on the Tawheed dilemma, meaning that if Islam teaches monotheism, as Muslims would want us to believe that there is only a one God in the absolute oneness, we have proved to them time and time again that that's not the case. Muhammad alone is equal to God, not to mention sometimes maybe even higher than that. So today we're going to continue our discussions about the Kaaba and the Black Stone. And of course, uh, I am always uh, excited and blessed to have Sam with me. Sam, welcome, brother. And uh, mm -hmm. we thank you for taking the time to do so. Thank you for having me, and I just want to invoke and glorify the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, beseeching the Father, that by the power of His Holy Spirit, He anoints us to speak truth without error and glorify Jesus Christ until every Muslim knee bows and every Muslim tongue confesses Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be glorified, Father, in Jesus' name. So, yeah, I just want to reiterate something you just said, and we'll talk about the Black Stone, as well as the Kaaba the cube structure that Muslims are required to <clears throat> run around seven times, at least once in their lifetime, if they're able to, uh, to afford it, because you being a former Muslim know about the rights of Umrah and Hajj, the lesser and greater uh, pilgrimage. The greater pilgrimage called Hajj, the lesser pilgrimage, Umrah, where you have to travel to Mecca, perform the rites associated there, one of which includes running around that cube structure seven times. But you said something interesting. You said that Muhammad has been elevated to divine status. He's equal to God, and in some instances, greater than God. And let's just refresh the memories 
of your listeners, <clears throat> that according to the Quran, Muhammad is to Muslims what Jesus Christ is to Christians. Now, no Muslim will say that Muhammad is a God-man, that he's divinity clothed in humanity, you know, a divine being that became flesh. No Muslim will say that. But although they don't say that, in practice, in their practical piety, they do worship him as a deity. In fact, if you don't mind, brother, if you have your Quran with you, let's see what the Quran says Islam truly is. If you go to chapter 4 of the Quran, Surah Tanisa, chapter 4, verses 64 to 65, as the Holy Spirit anoints us to glorify Jesus Christ and speak truth, even as we represent the Muslim sources, go to chapter 4 and read 64 for me, brother, and just read that, and then we'll read 65. But first, start with 64. Very good. Give me one second, and I'm going there. So 64 reads the following, uh, and I'm reading Hilal Yan Khan. We sent no messenger, but to be obeyed by Allah's leave, if they, speaking about the hypocrites, when they had been unjust to themselves, had come to you, meaning to Muhammad, and begged Allah's forgiveness, and the messenger had begged forgiveness for them, indeed, they would have found Allah all forgiven, most merciful. Now, notice this. There is no forgiveness, there is no pardon, purification from sin, apart from Muhammad's intercession. Notice what the text says, that the right. people have to come to Muhammad, they have to come to Muhammad, then ask Allah to forgive them, and Allah then asks Allah to forgive them, and then Allah will forgive them. So apart from Muhammad, the Quran is quite clear, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now if you read chapter 4, verse 8 of the Quran, just real quickly, we're going to disprove the assertion that Islam teaches the purest form of monotheism, and that they do not have a middleman, an intercessor between their God and them, and that Muhammad is not divine. The Quran itself testifies against those assertions. So in chapter 4, verse 80, what does it say? Uh, chapter 4, verse 80? Yes, sir. What does it say? And then we'll go back to 65. Very good. And you'll see here again, Muhammad is the human manifestation of Allah. Right? Or Allah, should, I should say, is the alter ego of Muhammad, either way. But in chapter yeah. 4, verse 80, what does it say? It's uh, very clear, of course, here. It says, he who obeys the messenger, of course, we're talking about Muhammad and Hilali, does interject uh, his name in there. Uh, he who obeys the messenger has indeed obeyed Allah. But he well, who turns away, then we haven't sent you as a watcher over them. Now watch the first part again. He obeys the messenger, has indeed obeyed Allah. I mean, you can't get any clearer than that, that Muhammad is the human manifestation of Allah, or I should say Allah is the alter ego of, uh, of Muhammad. You cannot obey Allah without obeying Muhammad. That's why in chapter 4, verse 65, this will now tie in with chapter 4, verse 65. If you go back there, Surah Nisa, same chapter again. This is all in the same chapter, the fourth chapter of the Quran. In 65, if you ask a Muslim, to define Islam, they'll tell you Islam means submission or surrender. And it means total submission or surrender to the will of Allah. That is partially true. That's a partial definition. According to the Quran, Islam is not just submission to Allah, but it's total, complete submission internally, externally to Muhammad. Because that's what chapter 4, verse 65 says. Yes, and uh, we will read it. I'm going to read again uh, Hilal Yan Khan. It says, but no... By your Lord, they can have no faith until they make you, once again, we're talking about Muhammad, they make you judge 
in all disputes between them and find in themselves no resistance against your decisions in the plural and accept with full submission. Hmm. They have to make Muhammad a judge in every matter of their life and not just submit externally, feigning obedience, saying, okay, but in their heart, having no resolve, no hesitance, and no doubt that Muhammad's decisions are final over them and they must fully submit to him. So Islam is the perfect submission to Muhammad without any objections, without any doubts. In fact, according to the commentary to this passage by Ibn Kathir, which you can read online for free in a bridge translation, in a bridge translation of Ibn Kathir, which you can find online, according to Ibn Kathir, there was a man who disagreed with Muhammad's decision. So he went to Abu Bakr, and Abu Bakr asked him, did the messenger of Allah decide? He goes, yes. He goes, then I have nothing to say in the matter. Follow his decision. He still didn't like it. So then he goes to Omar ibn al-Khattab. Omar, he goes and basically, Omar asked him, did the messenger of Allah decide already? He goes, yes. And you didn't accept it? No. I'm basically paraphrasing here. It says, Omar went, got his sword, and cut the man's neck off. Chopped his neck off for not submitting to Muhammad. And instead of Muhammad rebuking him for murder, that passage was sent down to justify what Omar did. So Islam, in a nutshell, is the perfect submission to a man named Muhammad, making him judge and giving him ultimate authority over every decision of your life, which is why, final one, and we'll go into the stone. But this is important to reiterate. For the non-Muslims, we need to reiterate this until it becomes second nature to our brothers and sisters in Christ so they can understand the true spirit and message of Islam and provide a more effective witness to Muslims. Now, if you don't mind, brother, go to chapter 3, verse 31, as the Lord anoints us to do justice to the topic for the glory of Christ. Guess what, Sam? Sam? I had it in front of me because I was going to comment on it. uh, And, uh, you know, praise the Lord that uh, he gave you the same, uh, you know, uh, insight from the Spirit. So here's chapter 4. I have even four different translations in front of me. Just wanted to make sure that no one can argue with us. Yusuf Ali, Hilali and Khan, Khalifa. You know, that's important, by the way. Khalifa is a Muslim who was killed by Muslims, actually, and Palmer. And uh, let's see, it's like Yusuf Ali, he said, uh, 331, chapter 3, verse 31, says, Say, speaking to Muhammad, say, if you do love God, follow me. God will love you and forgive you your sins. Let me read it again from Khalifa. Proclaim, if you love God, you should follow me. God will then love you and forgive you your sins. Palmer, say, If ye would love God, then follow me, and God will love you and forgive you your sins. Sam, it's very clear. Muhammad is the door. He is the gate. Yes, yes. In fact, that's why I want to read this commentary. By the way, all these commentaries are online, free of charge. This comes from Al-Tafsir, A-L-Tafsir, T-A-F-S-I-R.com. And this is the translation of a commentary attributed to Ibn Abbas, Muhammad's first cousin and one of the greatest Muslim scholars who ever lived. It's Tanwir al-Mitbas, Mitbas bin Tafsir Ibn Abbas. Now notice what this commentary says. Say, O Muhammad, if you love Allah and his religion, follow me, follow my religion. Allah will love you. He will increase your love and forgive you your sins, which were committed when you follow Judaism. Now watch. Allah is forgiving of whoever repents, merciful towards whoever dies in a state of repentance, this verse was revealed about the Jews. Now watch this, brother. This verse was revealed about the Jews who claimed they were children of Allah and his loved ones. When this verse was revealed, Abdullah ibn Ubay said, 
Muhammad is commanding us to love him as the Christians love Jesus. Did you catch that, brother? As the right. Christians love Jesus. And, and the Jews said, watch here, and the Jews said, <clears throat> Muhammad wants us to take him as a compassionate Lord, just as the Christians took Jesus as a compassionate Lord. So even Muhammad's contemporaries could see Muhammad was supplanting, replacing Jesus in the hearts of his followers. This is why I said what Jesus is to us, Muhammad is to Muslims, even though Muslims want to deny it. So that just confirms what you said. In Islam, specifically the Quran, Muhammad has been elevated to divine status, made equal to God, if not greater than him. So we've established that point. Now, are you ready for the other aspect of Islam's idolatry? Let's do it. Are we ready to go? Absolutely. Now, to put it in historical perspective and context, according to the Muslim sources, Muhammad's tribe, the Quraysh tribe, and the Arabs at Mecca were pretty much pagans, polytheists, idolaters, that worshipped the planets, the sun and the moon, and stone objects. They had stones and idols. Now, to confirm this, I'm going to read a hadith from Sunan Nasai. Sunan Nasai, and it says, Narrated Abu Raja al-Utaridi. We used to worship stone, Sanabat, the pagans before they became Muslims. We used to worship stone, and when we found a better stone than the first one, we would throw the first one and take the latter. So did you catch it? The pagans before Muhammad worshipped stones, and if they found a better stone, they would get rid of the previous one. Now, why is that ironic? Because Muslims tell us that Islam has pretty much abolished idolatry. That when Muhammad came, he destroyed the 360 idols of the Kaaba, worshipped by by the pagans in Mecca. And Islam is purely monotheistic and worships none but God alone, or Allah. Well, let's see if that's the case. Brother, can you tell us what Muhammad used to do when he used to approach the, the black stone that's found in Mecca, attached to the Kaaba? What did Muhammad used to do, brother? He used to kiss that black stone. Kiss and smother. Now, as a, as a former Muslim, when you used to perform the pilgrimage, whether Hajj or Umrah, were you required, if possible, to also kiss that black stone and touch it? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, you have no idea how, mu- how many times people fight just to touch it, at least. Uh, not to mention kissing it, of course, because that's what the Prophet did. Wow. So here you have a black stone that's attached to the Kaaba. That the Muslim sources, this is found in Bukhari, this is found in, Muslim, it's found in all the authentic collections, <clears throat> collections attributed to, to Muhammad and his companions. Compilers who narrated things of Muhammad, deeds of Muhammad, and his companions. By the way, that reference I gave, used to worship stone, that's from Sal Bukhari, not Sunan Nasai. Sal Bukhari, I need to correct myself by the grace of God, we don't want to make any mistakes. Sal Bukhari, Volume 5, Number 661. Now, Thank you. according to these sources, according to these sources, Muhammad would not only touch the black stone, he would weep at the black stone, he would kiss the black stone, and then there is a hadith where Omar, the second caliph, when he came to the black stone and he touched it and kissed it, he says, I know that you are stone that neither benefits nor harms anyone. This is found in Bukhari and Muslim and all the major collections of hadith. I know, pay attention to his warning that you are a stone that neither harms, neither benefits, nor harms anyone. Had I not 
seen the Messenger of Allah kiss you, I would not have kissed you. Had I not seen the Messenger of Allah kiss you, I would not have kissed you. And yet exactly. he goes ahead and does it because Muhammad did it. Now, in this narration, this comes from Usma bin Zayed from Sunan Nasai. Let me read what it says about Muhammad. Muhammad would walk around forward until, when he was between the two columns, that on either side of the door of the Kaaba, he sat down, praised Allah, asked of him, and prayed for forgiveness. Then he got up and went to the back wall of the Kaaba, placed his face and cheek against the wall of the Kaaba. Now notice, not only did he kiss the black stone, he would place his cheek against the wall of the Kaaba, right? <clears throat> praised Allah, asked of him, and prayed for forgiveness, right? So Muhammad would kiss the black stone, and he'd also touch the walls of the Kaaba and ask Allah for forgiveness. So I want the non-Muslims to pay attention to this. Muhammad would kiss a black stone, a black stone that was already, already part of the Kaaba, long before Muhammad was born, a black stone, which is one of the stones that the pagans would venerate, would, would reverence. And he made that part and parcel of his religion and made it mandatory for his followers that whenever they performed a big pilgrimage to the Kaaba, if possible, they too had to kiss the black stone, <clears throat> touch the black stone, caress the black stone, touch the walls of the Kaaba as an act of worship that brings about the forgiveness of sin. So did you see that, see that brother? Absolutely, man. I mean, it's uh, it's just everything is obvious, by the way, uh, about the forms of idolatry in Islam. Unfortunately, I don't know why our Muslim friends don't even see it. Yes, yes. and But it gets, it gets a little worse. According to another hadith, it says that Allah himself sent this black stone because it's from paradise. This again comes from Sunan Nasai, and all of this is available on our website, by the way, if people want the exact references. I'm trying to... Hmm, do justice to the time we have, so I may not be able to give the exact uh, hadith and so on and so forth, but go to the website. It says, the black stone is from paradise. And this is a narration from Ibn Abbas. But then it gets a little worse, or better for us, if we want to expose the falsity of Islam. This again from Sunan Nasai. Why are people required to kiss the black stone? Why are people required to touch the walls of the Kaaba? Here it is. It was narrated from Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Umayr that a man said, Oh, Abdul Rahman, why do I only see you touching these two corners, the corners of the Kaaba, the, the, the tube structure? He said, I heard the message of Allah say, Touching them erases sins. Touching them erases sins. So you touch the Kaaba so that Allah will erase your sins. You kiss the black stone because according to another narration, brother, the black stone absorbs your sins. Because here's a narration from Jami Tirmidhi. Ibn Abbas narrated that the Messenger of Allah said, the black stone descended from the paradise and was more white than milk, then it was blackened by the sins of the children of Adam. So, lo and behold, not only do <clears throat> touching the walls, touching the, 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 the structure of the Kaaba erase sins, but when you kiss the black stone, it sucks up, absorbs your sin, because according to Muhammad, the black stone was originally white, but from the touching and kissing of sinners, it became black, which means the black stone is bearing the sins of Muslims. But I thought that in Islam, there is no intercession, 
there is no atonement. There is no means of, of procuring forgiveness of sins apart from praying to Allah, worshiping Allah, and going to Him directly. Yet here we have Muhammad saying that if you touch the corners of the Kaaba, your sins will be erased. Kissing the black stone absorbs your sin because it was originally white. Now it's black from all the sins of all the people kissing it, showing that the black stone takes away your sin, bears your sin, and Muslims still want to convince us that Islam is pure monotheism, and there is no middleman, but they worship God alone, and God alone forgives apart from any substitutionary atonement. Irony of ironies, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Absolutely, brother. Now, before I move on... Before and I think the next segment. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, Go ahead. we we have a, a short time left, so we we may want to just prep people for the next episode to continue this. Sure, but then in the next episode we're going to go in detail and show that according to the Islamic sources, Muhammad himself, the black stone will come to life and intercede for Muslims on the day of judgment. The black stone. So, <laughs> not only do we have them kissing a black stone, not only do we have them praying towards a, a building, and I'll go more in-depth in the next session on the significance of Muslims facing the Kaaba when they pray five times a day, and why that's idolatry. Not only do we have Muhammad saying that you need to touch the corners of the Kaaba, the walls of the Kaaba, and narration saying that when you do that, your sins are raised, and the stone absorbs your sin, because that's why it became black, even though it was sent down from paradise as white. But Muhammad also taught that on the Day of Judgment, the black stone will come to life and intercede for those that kissed it, touched it, and caressed it. And yet Muslims still want to convince us Islam is pure monotheism, free of all idolatry, stone worship, and man worship. There you go. Amen. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to remind everyone to uh, lift, us up, uh, lift us up in prayers, of course, and um, you can always go... Uh, to our website, Sira International. And by the way, we are revamping that website uh, to become more and more user-friendly, sirainternational.com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International, and that's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A International. And you can become uh, a Patreon patron if you would like to give also as little as $1, believe it or not, and as much as the Lord puts in your heart. And at the same time, I want to also directly uh, direct you to the archive of this particular show or podcast, Let Us Reason. You can access it in a variety of ways. Uh, Omni Studio is one of it. Uh, iTunes is another. SoundCloud for the older, uh, basically, episodes. And you can go to our archived section on our website, Sierra International. That says, I want to also ask you, Sam, to share your information with people as well. Yes, uh, you can find my latest articles on my blog called AnsweringIslamBlog.wordpress.com. I also write for the AnsweringIslam.net, where the majority of my articles are found, AnsweringIslam.net. And I have a YouTube page called Shamunian. Pray that by the grace of Jesus Christ, I start producing more videos, lengthy sessions, and short clips in the upcoming months, so that the Lord Jesus Christ can use my meager efforts to glorify His name, bless the people of God, and convict Muslims and various people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you can also go to my Patreon page, Shemunian, as well as contribute via PayPal by sending it to my email, sam underscore shmn at hotmail.com. So thank you, brother. 
Amen. And, um, you know, I hope everyone is uh, uh, who's following us uh, has been benefiting from this. Of course, the whole idea is uh, not just for you to listen to it, but we're hoping that this will become an effective tool in your ministry. And uh, our Muslim friends, I guess the theme that you can pick from all of these episodes is that first, they are really living in a denial and uh, they are unaware of these devastating uh, discoveries that we are revealing to you because they are not willing to think through these arguments. So may the Lord give all of you wisdom into how to gently share the truth with them, of course, in love and at the same time allow them to explore examine, uh, you know, these uh, evidence that we're sharing. It's not about really attacking them. It's about challenging them to begin to compare and contrast. If you are claiming that we are idolaters when, in fact, we can answer to any of these claims and provide evidence as to why it is not, they have or they bear the burden of trying to support then their own side of the story because it's not damaging for us. We can support why we do what we do, but it is very damaging and devastating from their side when they are the ones who are oblivious to all of this. As always, thank you, Sam, for joining us, brother. And uh, until we meet again next week, have a blessed day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.